Hi, this is John Marks, and I'm the administrative pastor here at Waterside Church. I want to thank you for tuning into our podcast channel, where we upload weekly teachings from our senior elder Larry Titus and guests. Our hope is that these messages inspire you to grow your faith on a deeper level as we learn and lead together. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Um... Pastor Larry Titus, for many of us affectionately call him dad. Um, I never take it lightly to be able to communicate God's word. So thank you for welcoming me into your home or wherever you're watching this. Um, Dad, thank you for trusting me with this moment. And um, so excited. In fact, the text that I want to kind of, we got a long way to go in a short time to get there. So if you'll just give me grace and let's just jump right into this. I am I'm so honored to be here and to communicate God's word. And so tonight, we're, I really want us to just put your thumb in your Bible, pull out your phone and find yourself in Isaiah chapter 43. I want to talk about Isaiah as a whole is that I really believe it's a motif. It's a microcosm of what's happening in the meta narrative of all of scripture. It's the first of the major prophets and If you look at the book of Isaiah, it's even encompassed around 66 books. Wouldn't it be interesting that when the Bible was then canonized and books were put in place that there would be 66 books? And if you look at the book of Isaiah, you'll find that Genesis and Exodus are almost outlined in the first two chapters of Isaiah. You'll find that Israel was, was, they ran into an inability to bear the image of God. And so they went into sin rebellion and then ultimately in chapter two you see a restoration happening all the way through the book of isaiah in chapter 66 you see that he's restoring a new jerusalem and a new city exactly like he's going to do in revelations chapter 21 and so it's really this microcosm of the meta narrative of scripture so i think we need to heed what it's saying as it's a prototype for where we are right now In fact, in the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, just like in the Old Testament, much of it is dealing with sin, repentance, and judgment. In the latter 27 chapters of Isaiah, you see the restoration of Israel as a people and the promised servant of Jesus. You see him prophesied early on in the book, and then you see him coming into real fruition at the crucifixion narrative of Isaiah 53. So Isaiah 43 finds us right in this moment, and here's where Israel is. They're far from their promise. They don't feel like what God has said about them is necessarily true. They're in exile. They are disillusioned in many respects because they're threatened by enemies all around. And they feel as if if we are the people of God and we've known what you've done in the past, why am I here today? Some would have been thinking this is probably a result of consequence evidently because of our rebellion, because of our worship of idols, because of our adopting of the pagan cultures around us, this is why we are where we are. Wouldn't it be interesting that many, as we are in this moment in COVID-19 and shelter in place, some of us would say this is a result of consequence. Some of you are facing much uncertainty and what is God going to do in the future and how is he going to make it happen and I'm trying to discern the will of God and I just feel far from the promise. And I'm, you, maybe you're in this moment where you're just feeling like, God, is it even true? Are you even able? Have you forgotten about me? Israel shares our story in this text. So if you will, in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 through 21, The message tonight is titled, Through the Wild. 
through the wild, God is going to do a new thing. Now, God spoke this word to me in October. I did not know how prophetic it would be. In fact, I've never gotten a theme for a year. I'm not the guy that's like, in 2008, you're going to be great. In 2009, it's going to be all mine. In 2010, we're doing it again. And in 2011, we are on to 11. You know, so... I've never actually been that guy. Now, if you subscribe to a word every year, that's incredible. I want you to pray for me. I wish I was that spiritual. But God's never really spoken a theme to me for the duration of a year. But he did speak this to me and my wife. And it's this, through the wild. We didn't know what he was going to do, but he told us it was going to be through the wild. I had no idea how wild it was going to be. And in fact, if I did, I would not have probably signed up. But that's the way God works. So Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 through 21, it reads like this. I'm reading out of the NLT translation because that's the new Latino translation. (laughs) It says this. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. In other words, our God is bad to the bone and he crippled the largest, most formidable army in the world in Egypt, like just like that. And then he says something that Isaiah pivots in this text, very interesting. He says, but forget all that. Forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. If you're sitting in your living room, touch your neighbor and say, new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness or through the wild. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the fields will thank me, the jackals and owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. I have made Israel for myself and they will someday honor me before the whole world. God, I just pray that you make my tongue like the pen of a ready writer. Two things that I really see that I want to kind of extrapolate from this text right now. Two things, if we can walk away with, that God is going to do a new thing. In fact, he's already begun it. He says, do you not even perceive it? He's going to do a new thing. He's already started a new thing. And two things from the text. In verse 18, he says, but forget all that. In other words, for you and I, but to be present, to not look in the rearview mirror for it's always smaller than the front windshield. And then he says to be alert. Behold, I've already done something. It's already begun. Pay attention. Be alert. Be present and be alert. To be present. You know, when I was younger, we used to always go to this one movie store that my uncle would always love to take me and my brother. We loved this movie store. In fact, I still love movies. I love movies so much that if I'm not careful, I would just Netflix binge the whole time. But I'm a little too driven, so I stay reading. But if I let myself, I would just watch movies all the time. In fact, my wife, when we were dating, we would see two movies a week. When we got married, she then told me she doesn't like movies. So... (laughs) A little bit of manipulation there, but God has forgiven her. I love movies. So my uncle would take us to the store. Me and my brother would get the choice to rent a movie. So we'd pick the movie out. We'd go to our, our, my uncle's home, and he would, he would get butter, and he would put it in a pan, and he would melt it. It was incredible. And then he would get that melted butter and put it in a spray bottle. 
And then he would get that spray bottle and spray the popcorn. Somebody say glory. I mean, that's some buttery popcorn. We would eat that buttery popcorn watching one of our favorite movies. But the place that we would always go was a place I haven't seen very late, seen much lately. You might recognize the name, but you wouldn't have, you don't see the stores anymore. The place was called Blockbuster. It was this huge movie conglomerative that could never be challenged. They were on every corner, if you can remember. They, we all had our little membership cards that we had to take in there. And then you were super sad if you lost your membership card because you felt like, now I can't rent the movie. And, and now I'm not going to be able to get the movie that I wanted to see in my favorite snacks and have all this great moment. But Blockbuster, you don't find them anywhere. And in fact, it was in a pivotal moment in their history. Their CEO was told, we need to go to subscription-based media and was offered a few companies that would ultimately go that way. And he said, I don't want to go to that model of business because 12% of our revenue is from late fees. So I don't want to go to subscription-based media. And little did they know that the world would make a shift to subscription-based media in a few short years and they would be left in the dust because Blockbuster was busy celebrating a past victory and a past moment that they missed where they were ultimately going in the grand scheme of what consumerism was going to look like. And in fact, if you take a, a look at what's going on right now, you'll find that Airbnb, the largest accommodation company in the world, owns no real estate. Air, uh, uh, Uber, the largest taxi company in the world, does not own a car. Facebook, the largest media source in the world, does not produce content. Instagram, the largest photo company in the world, does not sell cameras. Netflix, the fastest growing cable company in the world, lays no cables. And Alibaba, the largest retailer in the world, keeps no inventory. If we're always looking to the past, we will miss ultimately what God wants to do in the present moment. And in fact, God is not calling us just to what we know or what we've seen because he calls us to walk by faith and not by sight. Second Corinthians 5, 7. He hasn't asked us to walk to an old methodology. And we're in this moment where not only is the institutional church been shooken from her stupor and brought out of traditionalism, but in, as individuals, our rhythms have been disrupted for good. And the tragedy would be for you to want to go back when God is saying, be present. When God is saying, in this moment, I'm calling you to something new. Because here's the propensity we all have that we all wanted to look like it did in a previous moment. But God never replicates himself because he is the God of new creation. In, John, in, in Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 14, in Jeremiah 23, 7, he tells Israel this. He says, no longer will you say I'm the God that brought you out of Egypt, but you'll say that I'm the God that brought you out of the northern country from exile. In other words, God never intended for you or for me to be the people of, of yesterday, of the good old days. Maybe you were a part of a previous church movement that was robust, that was supernatural and miraculous. And the tragedy can be for you to try to always recreate that in a future moment. But God is not into recreating. He's into original motion pictures. Though he'll move again, he, what he is pointing us to is himself, not a methodology, not an expression, but to his character. Because if we don't trust his character, we will always miss and only believe in his ability and not his person. God has called us to walk with himself, to be present in this moment, to be present right where we are right now. 
Romans chapter eight, verse 20, it says, all things work out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. All things work out for the good. I know that we're all facing uncertainty and I all know that many of us are trying to discern the will of God, but I have this promise for you that if you stay present and you don't back up in apathy or you don't back up in trying to just remember what was in the past, but stay present in this moment, I, this is our promise. If it's not good, God's not done. He is doing a new thing to be present in this moment, to be present in this moment. It's so easy, especially when we're afforded this time amidst a lot of questions to just veg out on your phone. Nothing wrong with your phone, nothing wrong with watching movies. But for us to get into a a mode of thinking that allows us to not engage with what God is doing right now. You may have seen God move in the past. We may have seen miracles in the past, but here is the fact that trust and obedience are disciplines that are practiced every day and they're practiced in the present. That's what God's calling us to. It doesn't matter if you're 90 or if you're nine. God has called us all to be an expression of the kingdom of God from the cradle to the grave. So there's no retirement in this thing. There is only God doing a new thing always to be present because he's still creating new creation in and through people. Second Corinthians 5, 17, and he's still making all things new. Revelations 21, 5. He's still making all things new. The second thing we see in this text is to be alert, to be Alert. He says, behold, I do a new thing. Do you not see it? Do you not perceive it? You know, before I entered into ministry, it was a frustrating season for me. Not because of what I did was bad or, or that I, I didn't want to do it. It was because there was something that had been deposited in my life a long time before this moment. When I was five years old, I knew that God wanted me to preach the gospel. I would preach to stuffed animals at five years old. So when I'm in my early 20s, I've been faithful with what's been handed to me in ministry and hopefully been faithful to communicate God's word with, with integrity, with humility. And I find myself working as a commercial electrician. It was a great job. I provided for my family. I was able to provide for my, for my wife as I was a newlywed. But I remember sitting there one time and, and I was in this moment and I just thought, I was sitting with my tool belt and I, and I almost started to cry as I was sitting on the construction. I said, God, I thought you called me to preach. I thought you called me to be a voice. And I w- wasn't gonna cry because if you've ever been on a construction site, that would be to your disadvantage for the guys on the site to see you cry. That would not be a good scenario. So I went to the porta potty, stinky, smelly porta potty, and I cried, real tears, and said, God, where are you? I thought you called me to be a voice. I thought you called me to be a voice. One thing I learned though about being on that construction site is when I remember the first day on the job, because I was a commercial electrician, I thought that that uh, would entail wiring up lights, fans, receptacles, light switches. That's what I expected to be a commercial electrician to do. What I did not realize is that before a building ever goes up, there was this thing called dirt work. 
And what it was is there all these uh, tradesmen would come to the job site, the plumbers and electricians and, and, the, and the iron workers, and they would lay all this stuff out in the dirt. They were moving the earth with tractors. Then they would ultimately lay down the foundation. What I didn't realize is that much of my job, especially as a young apprentice, was going to be with a pick and a shovel. It's when I got my PhD, the pick hole degree. And so I, I, I earned that thing within all of its accolades. I had a PhD. And what I didn't realize is for four months before a big commercial building goes up, you're really just working with dirt. Have you ever run by the construction site in your neighborhood or the store that's being built? You're like, are those people even working? Are they connected to a union? Just kidding. For those of you who are part of unions, I love you. Oh, I mean, why, why is the building not going up? Is anybody doing their job over there? Or if you've ever been frustrated by highway construction, you know that you feel like they're not working fast enough. But then it's all of a sudden that home, the framing goes up and it seems like overnight the building is erected. And then you'll see all of a sudden that there's nothing happening on this paved road. And then one night you go to sleep and the next you wake up and it's all paved and the cones are removed. Because when you're not the one working, you will miss what's actually happening. And it would be a tragedy for you and I to think that God is not working just because we cannot see it, just because we can't see with our own two eyes. So God is saying, be alert because his kingdom is a kingdom of suddenlies. In Acts chapter 2, suddenly there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind and the church was birthed and the gospel was proclaimed with boldness who was by a man who was just months earlier a coward. Just a few short, 50 some days before that. He was a coward, but, by, but suddenly, it's in 20 minutes, many scholars believe that Joseph went from a prison to a palace. When you're not the one working, you will miss what God is ultimately doing, but our job is to show up. God's job is the results. Our job is to show up. God's job is the results. From the prison to the palace in 20 minutes, to be alert unto what God is doing in this moment, in this hour, at this time. So I know it's, it's kind of hard to sit. What are you doing in the future, God? What are you ultimately trying to bring about? But God is doing something. Mark chapter four, verses 26 and 28 tells the parable about the kingdom. And he uses the story of seed. So the farmer plants it. Day or night, it grows. And he doesn't even understand how it grows. In fact, the Greek word there is aromatos, which we would find the English word automatic. That seed is in the ground, day or night, and then all of a sudden, a leaf comes through the ground, and it ultimately flourishes. The kingdom of God is undefeated, and if we're not alert, we'll miss what he's doing next. You know, if I was God, I would not have used Rahab as the one who would ultimately allow the children of Israel to come and, and spy out the land and create a plan to take down Jericho. If I was God and I was trying to take down a military garrison, I would have had one of those four-star generals be a traitor. And give me all the secrets, but not God. He uses a prostitute. The marginalized, the discarded, the devalued one in a military garrison to ultimately aid them in being spies. If you're not alert, you miss rehab, Rahab. If you're not alert, you miss that Noah is called to build a boat when he's never seen rain. If you're not alert, you miss that Abraham's going to a land that God will show him. He doesn't actually know where he's going. 
he doesn't actually know where he's going. Moses, the stutterer, to ultimately be the one who proclaims Israel, a tiny little country, to ultimately be his chosen image bearers. This tiny little country, a coward in Gideon to be a mighty warrior. If you're not alert, you'll miss what God is doing. Not a man of war that takes down Goliath. It's a shepherd. It's a shepherd. A a band of misfits, not from the academic halls of Jerusalem, being trained by the greatest of rabbis, did Jesus choose his 12 from? No, he chose blue-collar men that weren't trained, but they had been with him. He calls a terrorist to be his apostle in Paul. If you're not alert, you'll miss what God's doing. Here's what God's doing. He's tagging you. And he's saying, you're it. This is your moment for your family, for your community, for your job, for your city. This moment right now. Are you alert? Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? It's already begun. Because here's the reality. It's we honor the past. We engage with the we, we celebrate in the present. We honor the past. We celebrate in the present. But we have to be married to the future. Your allegiance has to stand in a God who's renewing all things, including ourselves. God will always call us to the impossible because it ensures dependence on him. He'll always call us to the impossible, always call us to the audacious because it ensures dependence on him. God's previous miracles lay the foundation for what he's going to do next because it ensures his character. Because it ensures his character. In the nighttime, I tuck my boys into bed and I'll wait till they fall asleep. And it's dark. Sometimes I try to slip out before they've fully fallen asleep in my one of my boys will inevitably say, Daddy, are you there? Yes, son, I'm here. I walk back in the room. I wait till they fall asleep. Daddy, are you there? Yes, I'm here. I'm still here. They're still falling asleep. What's interesting is their situation doesn't change. They're still in a dark room. They're still in the same bed. But the only thing that changes their experience is the revelation that Daddy's present, that he's in the room. What I believe this text is ultimately pointing to is Jesus. He says, I make a way in the wilderness. Who is the way? The truth and the life? Jesus, John 14, 6. I create springs in the desert. Who is ultimately living water? Jesus, John chapter 7. So in this moment, we can expect fellowship with Jesus. In our future, we're going with Jesus. If we hold on to him, I don't know exactly what the future looks like, but I know the one who holds it. He's doing a new thing and it's always through the wild. It's always going to be in a way that you and I never could have anticipated. And isn't it interesting that the text doesn't tell us the way. He just says, I'm making a way. And he doesn't tell us how, He's going to create springs in the desert. 
So he doesn't give us insight as to the pragmatics of this miracle. Because if he did, we would manipulate it. We would probably back out. We would probably undervalue it. We wouldn't think big enough. He doesn't tell us the way. He just says, I'm making one. He doesn't tell us how he's creating springs in the desert. That's supernatural provision. Springs don't exist in the desert. And he's not asking you to dig the well. He's saying, I'm doing this. God works when we rest. God works when we rest. The crescendo of creation, the female was made when Adam was asleep. New creation, a new humanity was made while Jesus was asleep in the grave for three days. God does his best work when we rest and it's through the while. God's will is not an insurance plan. It's not a safety net. I promise you that. It's through the wild. So mom, you're sitting there at home. You've been afforded a lot of time with your kids and that may be a delight at first and maybe coming into frustration. Don't miss the new thing that God is bringing you into. You don't know where your business is gonna go. I promise you this, he's doing a new thing and it's through the wild. I believe not in spite of this coronavirus, but because of it, Jesus is building his kingdom. He is expanding his people. He's deepening us. And if you've had an experience, anything like mine, I know this, that God is producing roots that go so far down deep and it is uncomfortable, but we have to say yes. We have to be present. We have to be alert. And here is the reality. God has not forgotten about us. It is a winterous moment, but our roots go deepest in the winter it's in the moments that are unseen and uncomfortable that produce the greatest hardest when spring comes behold i do a new thing do you not perceive it do you not see it i make a way in the wilderness and i create springs in the desert and in verse 21 he brings israel back to a moment of praise you want to know why i think in my humble opinion why god always makes his miracles new every time and changes the expression, much to our frustration, but it produces new themes of praise. It produces new themes of gratitude. It produces new themes of adoration. He is good and he's not the God of the good old days. God's will is not an insurance plan, but it is through the wild. He's doing a new thing. Thank you for joining us today. I want to thank all of you who support our ministry and make this possible. If you'd like to partner with us, simply click the link in the description for more info. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel in order to be notified of future episodes. For more information on service times and location, please visit watersidechurch.com. Have a blessed day in Jesus and go be the church.